Lord, I'm just so grateful for you today. I love you, and I just am reminded of your faithfulness in my life and Rose and I's life and so many others. Lord, there's so many testimonies in here of your faithfulness. You truly are the only one thing we need, Lord. You have provided everything we need in you. We were created for you. And Lord, I pray as well for anyone here that has not found that treasure that is found in you, Lord, that you, everything in us, Lord, every need, every problem, every situation, Lord, you are the answer to that need, whatever it is, Lord. And Lord, so I pray you'll be lifted up. I pray you would be glorified. I pray you would draw hearts to you this morning. Because it's really all about you, all the glory you deserve, Lord. All of us are just unprofitable servants, Lord. We're just servants. That's all we are. You are the wonderful one, Lord. And I want you to be exalted this morning. Create faith in hearts today, Lord. Create faith, Lord, that you have not changed. You're still here, and you see, and you know, Lord, and you're willing and you're able to do above and beyond what any of us think here this morning. Make that real, Holy Spirit, to every heart here this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to be in John chapter 5. And I do want to say to anyone here, if, if you have a situation, if you have something that just seems impossible to you, or you know somebody, and it just seems impossible, like, I don't see how this situation is going to change. God wants you to know today that he can change whatever situation concerns you today. He is more than able to do it. He wants you to know that. And so we're going to look at uh, a man, really, that Jesus met at a special place there in Jerusalem. Rose and I actually visited there. Um, and it's going to tie in with what I want to share with you about this building and even the counseling center and why I sense this is where God wanted us when he first uh, gave me the vision for this. Um, it was his heart. You understand that. It's his heart. It's what he wants to do. Yeah, he uses people and he kind of gets us positioned and somehow with even all of our missing things and not getting everything right, he still works things out. And all of you are here <laughs> kind of in the same way. Like you don't even realize how God maneuvered your life. And so he's got a plan. He's doing something and we just all get to take part in it. But he's the one, you understand? He's the one that does it. He's the one. So in John 5, verse 1, it says, After this, it was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, I just want us to think about that. God was here in the flesh. He was here. He was literally here in a human form. John chapter 1 tells us the word of God was made flesh. He was here. He was walking around. 
When we were in uh, Israel, that was so real to me, especially the first time I went to Israel and I stood on the Sea of Galilee. And I remember thinking, Jesus was here somewhere. I don't know exactly where, but he, was, he saw what I'm seeing right now. It just blows your mind that God was incarnate. He was here in the flesh, walking among us, showing us who the Father is, who God, our Creator is. He was doing things that no one else could do. So that's what's happening. God is there outside Jerusalem, walking around in a body. It's amazing. And then it goes on, it says, and there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate pool, uh, sorry, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, which means house of mercy. And I think I'll call that the message today, house of mercy. Got that? House of mercy. House of mercy. And it had five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. And then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, I just want to emphasize here, this was not God doing this. This was not an angel of God doing it. It was actually a myth. Okay, and I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but it was based in Roman uh, mythology and all that. So there was nothing of God going on here, okay? It was probably more a spring or something that had some qualities in it. And when it was stirred up, whatever was in that water did help some people that got in that water that had some ailments. So if you want, put that first slide up there. This will kind of give us a picture of what that might have looked like. We actually walked around there. Um, they've discovered kind of where that was. So if you want to go to the next slide, that's the actual ruins today that they've uncovered. And then go to the next slide. And there we are. Okay. Walking around there. So there's something going on there. Okay. And so if you have a need and you hear, hey, I know this place, and there's certain times during the day that the water gets stirred up, and if you can get in the water, you'll be healed. Now, if you've tried everything, if you've been here, you've been there for whatever, if you heard that, would you try it at least? Would you go there and try it? Of course. Well... In a similar way, this place where the counseling center is, actually right behind the counseling, the building is actually still there. Go ahead to the next slide. There used to be a place. Yeah, you're right there. There you are. There you go. There you go. All right. Kentucky Carlsbad Bottling Works. It's here. It's right there. The building's still there. It's behind the counseling center. And it basically says, showing machinery which draws water from a depth of 1,100 feet, gathering all the medicinal properties 
which had made the name Carlsbad famous, Dry Ridge, Kentucky. Um, so that spring, which is over there where, the, where they tap it, runs right underneath this building. Okay, comes across the street, goes, do you have a tap? Okay, so it's still there, okay? And people came from all over the country. And you know where they stayed? Right next door. Carlsbad Spa, which is now whatever, Pinewood Inn. It used to be a spa. <laughs> Imagine that. But it was. They had a restaurant and people would go there and drink this water and take baths in it. And people would get help because there was chemicals, stuff in the water that helped people. Later, when the EPA came out in the 1950s, they realized there was also bad stuff in the water. And that's what eventually shut it down. But they used to bottle it and send it everywhere. And people would buy it. So it's just interesting, isn't it? So as I was in the building yesterday and I was downstairs, I was reminded of that. You know, because they're uncovering down there. You know, they're knocking walls down. It's like, wow, Lord, it's really cool what's going on here. All right, so um, this pool, again, was a local legend, just like this was. And people came from everywhere, everywhere. So that's what's going on here, okay? Now, here's the thing. What used to be here, okay, so those people got help, but they died. And really, the greatest miracle that they needed, probably most of them didn't happen. Why? Because they were focused on the temporal. Well, now God has a different well here. And it's the well of living water. And, and it does more than simply physical healing, which we believe in, and I know God does, but so much more spiritual healing. Because ultimately, those stripes that Jesus took, though they provide physical healing, the greatest healing it brings about is the soul disease of sin. That there is no other bomb in Gilead that can heal that. And he did that in the atonement for us. So that's what is here now. You understand? That's the well that is here now. It's the wells of salvation. And we're going to see, even with this man, that's what Jesus was more focused on than just physically healing this man. So, um, in verse 5, it says, At this pool, there was a certain man who had an infirmity 38 years. Now, I don't know if anyone here has had an infirmity for 38 years that debilitates you to the point where we'll see later this man was incapacitated could not even get himself to the water so it was severe it wasn't just a light infirmity it affected his whole life it was something he had to live with for 38 years and some of us can relate to that i can relate to that being a drug addict i was a drug addict for probably Let's see, 17, 16 years of my life, from about age 12, 13, to about 27, whatever that works out to be. And I was in bondage. It affected everything about my life. It had me. It was an infirmity. 
And we all can have different kinds of infirmity. It doesn't have to be simply physical. This man's obviously was physical. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew he had already been in that condition that long. So I want to say this to you this morning, whether it's you or someone you know, Jesus knows. He knows. Well, why hasn't he done anything about it? Well, he's waiting for you or for that person to turn to him. And just like he was there for this man, he's here today. But guess who he uses? He uses us. We're now the hands and feet. We're the ones walking around. Just like he was walking around, we're walking around. His spirit is in us. That's what this is about. You understand? That's what this is about. This isn't about having a nice place where we can just meet together and do church together and then go home and go about our, our, our lives. No, this is about God working the same thing he did through Jesus, through people that have been healed, that have been restored, that he now can take this group of people as a body, as a physical representation of himself in the earth and work through their lives as they surrender themselves and allow the Holy Spirit to work through them the same things that he did. That's why we're here. That's why God put this church here. That's why he put the counseling center here. That's why we're in Meadowview. That's why we're going to be over in Locust Ridge. That's why wherever we go, God's desire is for us to be those hands, those feet, those same hands and feet that walked around 2,000 years ago that met this man at this pool. So God sees... And he says this to this man who I'm sure at this point had no hope. Do you want to be made well? Well, who wouldn't, right? Who wouldn't want to be made well? Do you want to be? Why would Jesus ask him that? I mean, you would think Jesus knew he wanted the man to be made well. He asked him for a reason. And maybe he's asking you this morning, do you want to be made well? Because he's drawing something out of you. He wants to help you understand who it is that's actually asking you. Because there's no doubt in my mind the man wanted to be made well. Okay, but now he's going to explain to Jesus why that hasn't happened. And what we're going to see is all based on the natural. Okay? Because he says, the sick man answered in verse 7, said, Sir, I don't have anyone to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And when I'm coming, another steps down before me. And, and we could look at it as, as everything we try in the natural to get well. Whatever that is, all of our best efforts, and I'm sure this guy was there 38 years trying to get in that water under his own power, waiting for someone else maybe to even help him. 
into the war, but all these other people had needs, and they were just thinking about me. I got to get in there. Forget that guy. I got to get in there before that water subsides. So it was a situation where everyone had a need. There was no one there looking out for anybody else. And we find that a lot, don't we, in the world? But that's why we're here. Because we're his hands and his feet. Just like Jesus was there, finally, there was someone there that saw, but was also going to help. And so Jesus said, um, rise and take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. So, <laughs> amazing. Jesus just tells him, get up. He doesn't explain anything to him. I mean, what would you do in that moment? You've been there 38 years. You've tried your whole life to, to crawl into the water. Now this guy is telling you, get up. Stand up. What did that man need to do that? Faith. He had to believe that what Jesus was telling him was possible. That's what God is trying to get in all of us. And that's why he's asking the question, do you want to be made well? Or do you, are you believing some, someone else to be made well? Okay. Get up. Do what I'm telling you to do, whether it's to pray for that person, whatever he's telling you to do. Do it in faith, doing it understanding that really it has nothing to do with you. He's the one, because that man didn't get healed on his own. He simply did what Jesus told him to do. And because he did it, the power of God somehow got in that man and made right whatever wasn't right, and that man stood to his feet. It was interesting to me the other day, I've been reading through the Old Testament, and something caught my attention when they were preparing the tabernacle, and God had anointed different ones to do this and to do that, and they were going through all the details of what was necessary to put the tabernacle together, and after I, kept, I started highlighting it, and, and I'm still not done yet, but the phrase was, they did everything according to what the Lord had said. They did everything according to what the Lord had said. They did everything according to what the Lord had said. And at the end of it all, it says, and then the glory of God filled that place. And it was interesting to me. All they did was what the Lord told them to do. And that's what God's after. That's what happened to this man. Rise up, take your bed, and walk. Immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. Now, remember, Jesus is speaking here as God. He speaks in no name but his own. And we see this in the Gospels. We see it many times whether he was casting out demons, whether he was healing people, he had authority over demons. He had authority over sickness. 
He had authority over everything. The wind, the waves, right? All he had to do was speak a word. And so what we're seeing here is, as Jesus tells this man to do what is impossible for him to do, and the man simply believes him, it's because of the authority that Jesus has, the man is able to stand and walk. And you understand, all authority has been given to Christ. So I don't care um, if someone's demon-possessed. I don't care if they've been in a situation their whole life and the world says, oh, they, they've always been like that. Um, they've, we've tried everything. It's never going to be different. Or whatever labels the world might put on you. Whatever it is, the world and the natural reasoning mind look at things totally different than God does because they don't understand the gospel and the message of the cross and what it really does and, and the power and the authority that the name of Jesus has in every situation. And God wants us to walk in that authority. God wants us to have the faith to believe him for the impossible and simply do what he has called us to do. And I see him doing that. I mean, what I shared earlier, that's what he's doing, people. That's what's going on. You know, he's the one that's been creating faith in us. He's the one that's been stirring us to believe him, to pray and, and to believe for medical views, believe for the kids, the families, for drug addicts, for, for marriages, whatever the need is. He's the one that's been saying, believe me, just do what I'm calling you to do. Just trust me. I still have authority. I haven't changed. I'm still able to do the impossible. Amen. And all of you are testimonies to that. Yeah. Aren't you? Yeah. Sound a little more excited about that. Yeah. Aren't you? Yeah. Yes. Praise the Lord. Do you understand what God has done for you? Praise the Lord. That voice of divine power, that voice of divine authority, that voice of mercy. He's the same people. Yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. Now, the religious people were all upset. You know what they were upset about? He healed them on the Sabbath. See, people, that's religion. He got outside of the box of religion. And they were all upset. I'm not even going to get into it. But basically, Jesus found the man. Because, you know, they're, they're giving the guy a hard time. Like, who healed you? What do you mean you healed? Who healed you? It's a Sabbath. What's going on here? You know, the religious people of his day. And afterwards, verse 14, it says, Jesus found him in the temple. He said, see, you've been made well. Now, those of you that have been made well, he's saying that to you today. You see, you've been made well. You see? But then he says this, and this is interesting, because if, if you think about it, in the natural, it has nothing to do with what Jesus did for this man. He just caused them to be healed physically, we thought. But then Jesus says, sin no more, 
lest a worse thing come upon you. Huh? The man understood what Jesus meant. The man understood, I haven't just been healed physically. I've been cleansed of my sin. And there's only one person that can do that, and that's Jesus. And that's why Jesus said, okay, you've been healed, not just physically. I've healed you spiritually. So now go and sin no more. Lest the worst thing come upon you. Because you understand, with sin, when we're in sin comes all kinds of problems. And that's why a lot of us have problems in our lives. Sickness is mostly part of the fall, but sometimes it could be because someone's in sin. Sometimes. Obviously, Jesus said it to this man for a reason, but really, the greater reason was that he wanted the man to understand your sins have been forgiven, and that's the greatest healing any of us can ever get, and that's really what God is doing here now, and so Jesus basically reminds him of the grace he's received. He said, see, you've been made well. Now go and sin no more. So what is that? It's grace and truth. That's what God does and wants to do for you, for whoever you might be praying for. He wants to do for you what you need at no cost to yourself, simply because he's gracious. You can't earn it. You can't pay for it. He simply provides for it. That's what grace is. You, you might not deserve it, but he wants to do it because he has compassion on you. But then he also couples that with truth. See, grace without truth gets sloppy. The truth is, okay, you've been cleansed. You've, you've been forgiven. Now go and sin no more. Don't take what I've done for you lightly. And that should that's just a proper response to grace. It's saying... We're thankful. We understand what has happened. Why would I want to go back to what I was doing? I'm going to live the rest of my life glorifying God and living for him. And that's really what he's calling us, has called us to do. So the man departed in verse 15. He told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. In other words, he gave God the glory. He became a witness to what had happened to him and who did it. If we understand, and this, many of us here, we, I know we understand this, if we understand I was the guy by the pool, it was me. I know it was me. I remember what my life was. I had no hope. I thought I would just be in my condition the rest of my life and just die in it. That's how I lived my life, and that's why I was suicidal. I just, everything, there was nothing when I looked forward. I'm sure this man felt that way. So I know what it's like to be that guy by the pool. And I know most of you know what that's like. Maybe there's some that feel today like that man by the pool. You feel hopeless. You feel like, it is, can anything really change? Can anything really be, 
be different. This has been, I've been in this condition for so long. Is it really possible? Is what I'm hearing really true? Do you know how many people are sitting home, whether they're young people, looking at the world, looking at what's going on, bound by so many different things, hopelessness, suicidal, families tore apart, people sitting in jails, whatever, sitting there in the, those quiet moments just thinking about their life, thinking about their situation maybe, and just not even understanding there's a way out, there, that there's something can be different about their present situation. They're out there, and God sees them, and God knows them. And those are the ones he has placed us here for. And he's given us a mission field. Sometimes they come from other places of the country. They're still coming here. It's the ark drawing them now, but whatever. However God gets them. They're coming to this area. Some of them might, might not even understand why. And God has placed a well here in Dry Ridge. And he's called us, the, the people that were laying by the pool one day, that Jesus came by and touched and healed. And now he wants us to go out just like this man and tell people what happened to us and who did it for us. We have, you understand, we have something the world cannot offer. The world cannot offer what we have to offer people. We have Jesus. We have the gospel. There's nothing else in this world that can do what Jesus and the gospel does for a life. There's no cure for mankind out of that. So why are there so many supposed Christians sitting on the sidelines, sitting in churches, just sitting on the sidelines? Thankfully, we don't have much of that here. But how many are just sitting on the sidelines? It, do they even know they were that person by the pool? Could that be why? They don't even understand that that's every person's condition without Christ. Because that's who Jesus came for. He said, I didn't come from the healthy. I came from the sick. That's where you're going to find Jesus, where all the sick people are. That's what the house of mercy is. It's where the sick people are. That's why he puts us in those places. I've shared this story before of my cousin in Cuba, where it's just different there with communism. You don't own anything, and it kind of gets handed down from your, your parents to the kids. And so they had a nice place that the parents was there. It was theirs. Their mom had died. They could have lived there. Nice place. But they didn't live there. And I asked them, Why, where do you live? Why don't you live there? And, they, and my cousin told me, God told me to live in another place. And then she described it. It kind of sounded a little bit like the walled city that we watched last week with Jackie Pollinger. And it was basically a city block where all the prostitutes and drug addicts and everyone lived. Um, and they had a little room in the middle of that. And she just put a smile on her face. That's where God wants us. Because that's where the sick people are. That's the house of mercy there. And I believe with all of my heart, that's why we're here. I believe that. 
That's why we're here. And there's so many around us. Just open your eyes. They're there. Whether we see them physically or not, they're there. They're in the houses. They're in the trailer parks. They're they're all around us. They're in the schools. They're everywhere. And God knows. God sees them. And he's given us what they need, which is himself. So I'm going to end with this. And this is going to kind of carry over to next week. God is sending us. He is. He has been sending us with the same anointing that this man encountered at the pool. And I want to say this to the young ones. Um, First of all, I'm very excited. I see God working in you young people. You, You are not too young for God to use you in miraculous ways. Do not limit yourself because of your age. Please don't do that. And God has a purpose for you, and it starts now. It doesn't start a few years from It starts right now. Whatever that looks like. And God will show you and help your parents with that as well. But you should be praying. God, how do you want to use me? God, I, there's got to be kids that need to know what I have found in you. There's got to be kids that need to find the hope that I have found in you. There's got to be kids out there that were just like me. But now I understand, and Lord, I want, I want to tell them what happened to me. I want to tell them about you. I don't care if you're 10, 8, 12, you're old enough. And you need to be open however God wants to use you. And I know he is. And he's got a call for all of us here this morning. And I want to say this to you all. Um, this is your church, and you young people, this is your church. You understand it? Do you understand? Do you, do you feel like it's your church? Yes. Or is it your parents' church? You're not a kid. <laughs> but it is. It's yours too, Steve. I'm talking to the kids right now. It's all of us. It's all of us. It's all of us. It's all of us. And so let's be open. God, I want, I want you to use me, Lord. I, I, I want to believe you. Just like you asked that man, do you want to be healed? Make me that person that that has the courage, the faith to go, just like you did, and ask those that are sick, do you want to be healed? Let me tell you what happened for me, and let me tell you about him, Jesus. So I want to encourage you with that, okay? And then in closing, I want to ask anyone here this morning, You have a need. You have a situation. And it seems impossible. 
You've been in a rut maybe for years and years and years. Maybe there's an issue in your life that you just never feel like, I'll never be free of this. Jesus is here, just like he was there 2,000 years ago. Do you want to be made well? Do you understand your, your, your disease first and foremost, okay? Do you understand your disease? If you haven't put your faith in Christ, if you, if you don't understand your hopelessness and sometimes a lot of what you go through in this life is because you don't have Christ. It's because you haven't simply taken what he's provided for you through what he did on that cross. Because all of man's problems come from sin. Everything comes from sin. The curse, the fall, everything revolves around man rebelling against God. And all we see all the consequences of that in the world around us. And man does not have the answer. But Jesus is here right now. So I don't care what your situation is today. He's asking you, do you want to be made well? I can turn things around. I don't care what it's been like. I don't care if you've been like this for 20 years, 30 years. I can turn everything around with one word. One sentence. Because he hasn't changed. The gospel, the, the message of the cross has not lost its power. And there's plenty of people here that will testify to that. I heard a story or read a story the, yesterday. There was an agnostic, someone who doesn't believe in God, that challenged this young kid that was preaching on a street corner. He says, I challenge you to a debate. And this young kid, man, it was the wisdom of God, said, okay, I'll debate with you, but here's the conditions. I want you to bring one man to that debate who's been hopeless, who's been in sin their whole life, who's been bound by drugs, whatever it might be, that because of your teaching and what you present in your agnostic belief has been completely made well, is, is, has hope, you know, is restored, and one woman in the same condition, just one person that will testify to your religion, because it is a religion, how it has totally transformed their life for the better. And I'll bring a hundred men and a hundred women that will testify who heard the preaching of the gospel that were in those conditions that are totally different people that have hope and been totally transformed. And I can do the same. Amen. I can provide a thousand easy all the years we've been in ministry. So God is able to do above and beyond what you are thinking today. And he's here now. And he's simply saying, do you want to be made well? If that's you this morning, the invitation is to come to Jesus and simply believe what he said. Rise up and walk. And with that, it's your sins are forgiven. I'll clothe you with my righteousness. 
I'll make a way for you to have eternal life with God. I'll instill in you a living hope. I'll put my spirit in you. I'll make you alive. And I'll heal your greatest disease, your sin-sick soul. Doesn't mean he makes everything perfect in our lives. But the healing that he does within is the greatest healing that anyone could do for us. It's the healing of our soul. It's the restoring of our soul to God. So let's stand this morning. And I'm going to ask anyone here, you need healing. You need a touch from the master. You need salvation. Come to him today. Don't wait any longer. That man was there 38 years. But that day, Jesus was there. He's here today for you. You don't know what you'll have tomorrow, where you'll be tomorrow. You don't even know you'll be alive tomorrow. Jesus is here now. He's at the pool now. If I could say it this way, the water's stirring in a, in a good way because he's here. So if God is, is speaking, do you hear him speaking to you? You know you need what you've been hearing. You know you're not right. You know you have to get right with him. Please don't hesitate. Come to the feet of Jesus. He wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. He can change things around for you. He can change your whole life. But you have to come. You have to acknowledge your sickness. You have to acknowledge you've sinned before a holy God. You have to ask forgiveness. You have to trust him to do the impossible in your life. And he'll do it. He'll do more than you can even imagine this morning. So God, I pray you would draw hearts. Anyone listening online, he's there for you. He sees you. He, he knows your condition. Just get on your knees before him. Say, Jesus, have mercy on me. Yes, Lord, it's me, Lord. I need healing, God. I need what you provided for me. Have mercy on me. God, I pray you would meet anyone that is responding in their heart, Lord. Help them to know, Lord, you have not changed. You're able, Lord, to do the impossible. You're able to save them, Lord. You're able to heal their soul, Lord. You want to give them a hope, God, that this world cannot give, Lord. Holy Spirit, make that real to anyone here, anyone online, Lord. We thank you, God. You have not changed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for all of us that we would, first of all, be reminded, Lord, of the mercy you've done for all of us, Lord. We were all that man by the pool. But Lord, you had mercy on us. You did a miracle in our lives, Lord. And I pray, God, you would help us to be open more so and, and really to have the faith 
to step out and to allow us to be the hands and the feet for those that are still bound, those that are still there, Lord. They're helpless. They can't help themselves. There's no one to help them, Lord. But Lord, you left your church as that vehicle. That's why we're here. That's what this is all about. And we thank you for what you've been doing. We thank you, God, that you are rescuing souls. But Lord, we believe you for more. We believe you, God, that you're going to do more. So God, we're here today, Lord, and we're just saying we believe you, Lord. We believe you. We trust you, God. Use us, Lord. Make that real to the young people. Make that real to all of us here this morning, Lord. As we allow you to use our lives, God, as your church, as your people in this dark place, God, you left us, this world, Lord, that's so much heartache and, and so many, Lord, that need a touch from you, Lord. Just continue to have your way, Lord. We love you and we thank you, God, for your mercy in our lives. Help us to go out and share it with others. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.